Welcome to Slowpreneur, a podcast about building a business without the busy. I'm your host, Stephanie Pellet, and I'm a coach for thoughtful, values-based entrepreneurs just like you. On this show, we talk about creating a business with intention, heart, and sustainability in mind. Join me as I connect with my friends and clients and share my own reflections on why slow and steady entrepreneurship will always win the race. On today's episode, I'm talking about five ways that you can mark the transition between work and home, even if you work from home. Hello, hello, my friend, and thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of Slowpreneur. If you're new here, this podcast, this little community is where we talk about all things intentional and sustainable business. This is a topic that I have become extremely passionate about throughout the pandemic when a lot of the things that used to work for us or the lot of the ways that we used to run our businesses no longer feel as possible. We've realized just how human we are and just how much our humanness can get in the way of that constant striving for productivity that we've all been raised to value. And as we have all encountered more difficulties, more struggles, more health challenges, more energetic challenges, we've had to find new ways of running our businesses that still support us as human beings. And in full transparency, today is a Monday. I'm really late recording this episode. I'm recording it the day it comes out. That's never happened before. I am feeling really tired. It's a dreary day. (laughs) I haven't wanted to do much of anything. And personally, I'm sort of feeling a bit low today. That's something that happens to me. And it's happened to me quite a bit over the past few months. I've talked a little bit about my feelings of business burnout and burnout in general on a previous episode, but feeling low and tired and kind of sad are things that happen to me, as I'm sure they happen to you. And during what have been extremely challenging times, maybe they're happening to you a bit more often than usual or than you're used to, as is the case for me. And so what I'm trying to do today in being honest with you about that, is practicing this new value I have, or technically a value I've always had of transparency and wanting to be transparent about my business practices and my values, but I'm trying to extend that transparency to my humanity, my humanness, who I am as a person, and bringing it to the forefront because I actually don't think it does either of us any favors for me to hide those parts of who I am. And I was kind of nervous to record this. I've been procrastinating, as I said, on recording this because I didn't feel like I was in the right place to share. You know, I wasn't in the right place to show up and record an episode for you until I realized that the right place was a construct that I had totally made up in my mind about what it means to be a person in business, the ways I'm allowed to be as a person in business. And I had made up that 
the only way for me to be in the right place to record a podcast or show up on Instagram is if I'm feeling perky (laughs) and positive and quote unquote professional and have a full face of makeup and whatever else. Insert your thing here. I'm sure you have your own, right? Those are just some of mine. And as soon as I realized that actually it doesn't necessarily mean that I can't show up if I don't feel all those types of ways, it unlocked this for me. And let's be honest, I'm sitting cross-legged on the floor of my bedroom. I'm not actually talking to you (laughs) in real time. So if I change my mind and this feels like too much of a downer, I can always not share it. But it really does help for me to give myself the permission to just be honest. And the more honest I am, the more I feel I can actually be of service. Because one of the things I'm learning and discovering over the last few years is that the challenges that I struggle with, the things that I'm grappling with in my own business, are things that many of us are grappling with and struggling with. We need new answers. We need new solutions to these challenges of feeling like we are experiencing a lot and how do we integrate that with the professional lives that we have. So I'm trying this new thing. Who knows if it'll work? Who knows if it won't? But I'm trying this new thing where I get to just be myself as I am within reason. <laughs> you know, I'm okay. I don't need you reaching out and and checking in on me. Although if you want to reach out, always happy to hear from you, but I'm okay. I'm just sharing this because I want to, because I want you to know that I feel the same way you do sometimes. And that's not going to preclude me from recording this episode for you. So with all of that out of the way, Let's talk about something more specific for today's episode. I'm going to be talking about ways that you can commute if you work from home. (laughs) That's the funny title. That's the funny version of the title. Uh, But basically, it speaks to this idea that I think many of us who work from home and have our own businesses have a hard time shutting off our work brains at the end of the day. We're not alone in this, obviously. You know, I think people who have employers also struggle with this, right? Because you might not have the best boundaries depending on who you work for, or there might be a company culture that sort of expects you to work after hours or think about work after hours. So this is not specific to the entrepreneurial sphere, but I do think that entrepreneurs have a special kind of hell that they deal with when it comes to shutting off after working hours. A, There are no working hours. (laughs) Technically, any hour could be a working hour. You're the boss, so you get to decide when you work. Or you get to decide by default because you didn't actually make the decision, and so it ends up that you don't have official working hours. You just work whenever you want or whenever you feel like it. And that's all well and good, except that B, we have this thing as entrepreneurs where we feel that any hour we're not working is an hour wasted. Or Very often we do when we're just starting out in our careers or if it's a really busy season or if things are very stressful and you're worried about money, then we start to bend our boundaries. We start to bend the things that we've already decided, if we have even decided. And so this leads us to feeling like we're guilty if we're not working all hours of the day and night particularly if we have a particular customer inquiry or client complaint or project that we feel needs to get done. It can be really difficult for us to shut off and take space and make sure that we're taking care of our own personal needs 
when all hours are fair game for working. And I think as we've transitioned to working from home, many entrepreneurs already did pre-pandemic, but for those who used to do more IRL, like me, I used to do a lot of my client sessions in person. I would go to people's houses. I would meet at coffee shops. I would have client sessions at Sonia's Nurture Space in Toronto. And I used to do a lot of things in the real world. And then in the pandemic, I moved everything online. And moving everything online has introduced some new challenges for me. It makes it harder to distinguish the line between work and personal. And when you add in social media apps like Instagram or TikTok or whatever else you might be using for your business, that line gets even more blurry. Because what happens if you're scrolling on Instagram at 7 p.m. and someone DMs you about your service or your product? Or what if you're scrolling and you see a post and you think, wow, that could be really relevant to my audience. Maybe I should reshare it to my stories. You can see how this distinction between our work lives, our professional lives, and our personal lives becomes more and more and more blurry. And that's a challenge. It really is. I think when it's first creeping into our reality, we don't realize that it's a challenge. It doesn't feel like a challenge. It feels just like par for the course, business as usual. Sure, I'll respond to this thing really quickly. Sure, I'll just post this to my stories really quickly. What's the harm? And it's true. There's not necessarily any inherent harm. And I'm not trying to put a moral judgment on working at 7, 8, 9, 10 p.m. Because I really think that depending on who you are and your sleep type, <laughs> you might like to get your work done at different times of day. It might actually be better for you to work at 11 p.m. than it would be for me. And that's okay. Because I'm not talking necessarily about you having to fit into a nine to five type of schedule. I'm talking about you fitting into a schedule, period. Because what I don't want to see happen is that we're just constantly working without any boundaries or limits or guidelines as to where and when work can happen. I'm also not saying that you can never make exceptions, right? You're the boss, as I've said. So anytime you want, anytime you want, you can make an exception to your rule. All I'm saying is I really encourage you to have a rule in the first place. We talked about this a little in our last episode as well about setting up these boundaries and policies for your business. And this is kind of an extension of that, choosing your working hours and finding ways to play within them, I think is a really important skill for us to learn, but it's also not a switch that we flip one time. It's an ongoing negotiation. It's an ongoing practice. Some nights I do better than others, right? Some weekends I do better than others. And there might be parts of this that you struggle with more than others. I know that there are some people who have zero problem not checking their email after hours. That's not their particular challenge, but maybe social media is hard for them. Whereas I feel like I'm the opposite because my email is somewhere where I also get some personal things, not always, but some, I tend to check it sometimes because my dad might email me <laughs> and I will want to see what he said. And so it can be harder for me to not look at the work emails after hours, whereas social media is not something where I do a lot of business networking or 
even marketing lately, <laughs> we've noticed. So it's not as hard for me when I'm on social media to feel like I'm in my own personal time. So in today's episode, I wanted to share a little bit about that philosophy, why I think it's important for us to have work time and personal time, and then five ways that I think we can experiment with creating a commute for ourselves, even if we're not actually going anywhere. This episode of Slowpreneur is sponsored by The Profoundry, a coaching and community program for thoughtful entrepreneurs run by yours truly. If you've been looking for a supportive group of business besties who share your values and really get it, this could be the perfect membership for you because these people are truly amazing. Every month in the program, we have a bunch of different calls. For example, productivity parties to get our work done together, workshops on things like project planning, balance and boundaries, or goal setting. And we often do creative think tanks that offer custom group coaching for members for whatever they might be struggling with. We also have a really supportive Slack community with weekly check-ins. We have a resource library full of recordings and interesting workshops and a business book club so that you can learn about business from interesting and diverse authors. If this sounds like your cup of tea, I'd love for you to come check it out. You can learn more and get your first productivity party pass for free by going to stephaniepellet.com slash profoundary. I would love to see you there. Okay, so let's have some fun with this. There are five types of commutes I want to share with you. Number one is the work shutdown ritual. So this concept comes from Cal Newport, who's the author of some great books that I love, including Deep Work, one of my personal favorites, and Digital Minimalism. Highly recommend both books if you haven't read them. Really great ideas in there about the uses and also the downsides of technology and email and social media, which are topics we love on this show. But the work shutdown ritual is this process that Cal describes going through every day of his working life, which involves a couple key components. Basically, he has a list of tasks that he always does in a really ritualized and routinized order that involves, you know, capturing ideas, making sure everything's set up for tomorrow, having a notebook with him that he carries when he's not at his desk so he can write down anything he thinks of throughout the evening but doesn't have to go back to his desk or computer to input anything. And then the most important part and my favorite part because I think it's so cute and hilarious is that he has a phrase he says at the end of this ritual where he says, work shutdown complete. And for him, it's actually the saying of that phrase that makes the biggest difference. It's a way for him to mark the distinction and the difference between his workday and the rest of his day. And I think for a lot of us, we don't have a way necessarily to switch that up, right? We don't necessarily have a way to distinguish because maybe our workspace is close to the rest of our stuff if we live in a small apartment, as I have for many years. Uh, so our desk is right there or we're using our laptop, right? And I'm going to talk about technology in one of the other commutes. But it can be hard to sort of see where the line is if we're using the same furniture or the same technology in different parts of our day. And so I love that he has this phrase that after which time he says it, he doesn't have to worry about work anymore. He's done his shutdown. He's made it into a thing, capital A, capital T. <laughs> and now that it's a thing, it's over. I also like that he's incorporated kind of a bunch of different elements that might 
otherwise cause him anxiety throughout the night. So he knows, for example, he has his plan for the next day already laid out. He knows he has his tasks for the next day laid out. And then he also has this little notebook to capture anything. So kind of all his bases are covered. The kinds of anxiety that would creep in throughout the night are able to be put to rest because he knows he has systems in place to capture ideas, but also systems in place to set him up for success tomorrow without him needing to do any work tonight. He can trust his system because he's made sure to address all of his anxieties about leaving his work for the day. So I take this as a bit of inspiration, or I offer it as a bit of inspiration. Your shutdown ritual obviously could look very specific to you. It does not have to include the phrase, work shutdown complete. I think you could find a phrase that feels more resonant for you. That one feels a bit robotic, you know, but it's hilarious also, so there's that. And also making sure that the tasks you choose are relevant to your business. You know, maybe if you run a product-based business, you want to do one final last check of all your orders for the day and print any shipping labels that have come in for new orders. Or if you have client-based business and you check in with your clients on a daily or weekly basis, you might want to make sure you've sent all those emails or reminders or anything that you need to send before you shut down for the day. But I love his idea of making sure you have a separate document or piece of paper or notebook for you to capture ideas throughout the night and then a system for inputting them the next day so that you don't have to continue to come back to your computer or your systems that you use for work throughout your night. You can rest easy knowing that you have something set up to capture those things for tomorrow. So play around with it. If this idea resonates for you, I think there's a lot of ways you could create a shutdown ritual that's really custom to you. Maybe it involves a candle, maybe it involves a smell, maybe it involves something else that feels ritualized to create that separation between your workday and your personal life. Commute idea number two is very fun and new to me, and that's the idea of a commute bath. Mm, Commute bath. This idea comes from Hitha Palapu, who I listened to speak at the Alt Summit that I went to in New York this fall and was really compelled by her and her sort of joyful and interesting approach to life. She's a really cool person who does a lot of different things. So I've been following her on Instagram. And recently, she posted a reel about her new practice of doing a commute bath. And she does admit that she doesn't necessarily do it every single day. But when she can do it, it creates this really beautiful distinction between her work day and the rest of her evening with her family. Basically, it's exactly what it sounds like. You close down your computer or your work for the day and you go and you take a bath. And I like this idea for a lot of reasons. I mean, personally, I just love water and the feeling of water just always makes me very happy. But what I also like about it is that it's a way of changing your state. So if you've been in one position, one outfit, one chair your whole day, then having the chance to strip down, literally take off all of that extra stuff, change your state, change your position, change your brain, literally your brain gets to go into a different state of being. That's a way of really marking this transition in a meaningful way. I know people who like to do cold plunges, for example, right? Ice bath kind of ideas. Um, And That would be similar, right? It's a way of changing your state, shocking your system. But 
I think for me, I would probably do the hot version for now. We'll see. And I think it's just really cool to have that time. You get to decompress, unwind, your mind gets to go on something else. And then when you come out of the bath, you are refreshed and you're in a different state. You probably change into different clothes. You're just sending all these signals to your brain like, hey, it's okay. It's time to unwind. It's time for this different version of my life. And I think a lot of these ideas on this list are ways of cueing our brains that we are in a different state right? We are in a different mode now. But I'd never thought about doing a bath as that transition. You know, I've thought about doing a bath as a form of self-care, but I love the idea of using it as a transition. Having yourself change from one state to to the next through this ritualized practice of taking a bath or taking a shower. For me, it would probably mostly be a shower, if I'm being honest. But either way, instead of doing it in the morning or last thing before you go to bed, you have this transition built right into the middle of your day. And I think it's a way also of reminding yourself how much time you still have in the rest of your night. You know, you had time to do this transition and now you can enjoy yourself for the rest of the night. When there's no marked transition like that, I really think it's hard. The boundaries are blurred and it just never feels very satisfying to have the rest of your night because part of your brain is still in work mode. So commute bath. That's strategy number two. Strategy number three is similar and also maybe the most boring one on this list because you've probably heard it before, but what if you took a commute walk (laughs) or a commute run or a commute workout, something again to mark the transition between those two parts of your day and also create a state change within you. I often do this because around 4.30 p.m., Bruno is wanting to go out. He wants to go for an adventure. He wants to run. He wants to play with other dogs. (laughs) So we usually go on some kind of adventure. I'll take him to the dog park or the forest or his favorite, uh, some kind of river (laughs) or body of water. That's his favorite thing. And doing this, I need to suit up in my outdoor clothes. I might want to change into something that can get mucky. I am able to drive somewhere or walk somewhere that feels different than my home. Again, all of these ways that I'm cueing myself and my body that it's over. We're done. Work is done for the day. So if you have a route that you can do, I've heard of people doing this every morning and then every night. It's almost like you leave your house to commute to work. You walk around a specific block or a couple blocks and then you come back, you sit down and you start your work. And then at the end of your workday, you do the same thing, but in reverse, you go out, you walk your loop, you come back. And the most important thing, by the way, out of all of this stuff, all of these ideas, I should have mentioned this probably up front, is that you do not go back to your work when they're over. (laughs) You know, even if you come back and you see your computer sitting there, I think the most important thing you can do is not touch it or not go back to work. Because if you do, all of your hard work to create that transitional time is down the toilet. It's over for you right? So don't go back, don't touch it again, (laughs) no matter what. And going back to my idea before about like making exceptions or you are setting your own time. It's okay if you commute after a longer day. You know, again, if we use the nine to five example, let's say you typically like to work nine to five, but some nights or most nights, you personally feel you actually have to work nine to seven in this season of your business. Okay, no worries. What I'm saying is, At seven, 
do something to mark that transition. No matter which idea it is from this list, do something. Okay? So with those caveats out of the way, let's go to idea number four. Idea number four is a technology commute. And so this is sort of similar to the work shutdown ritual that I mentioned before, but you're using your technology in specific ways to signal to your brain that we're in a different mode now. Now, this could look a lot of different ways. It could be having different devices that you use for different times of day. So maybe during your workday, you use your computer, and then at night, you use your iPad or your phone or whatever. If you don't have those different kinds of devices available, you could also have different profiles set up on your devices. So for example, I use Google Chrome and you can have a different Chrome experience, a different Chrome profile. Uh, You can have multiple for every browser. So you could literally have a Chrome browser that's set up. I think actually one of my clients does this. A different Chrome browser set up with all of your personal tabs and all your personal preferences and maybe you use more emojis or more casual language or whatever the case may be. And that way when you go on that browser, even if it's a computer you've been on the whole day, it feels different. You're pointing yourself towards different kinds of things. You can do this on YouTube. You know, I have a professional version of YouTube because I have a channel and then I have a personal profile as well. And it is shocking how different the algorithms are on each one. Another version of this would be having a personal Instagram account. I have this. And actually, the most important thing for me about having the personal Instagram account is not the account itself, as in like what I post on it, but it's having a different algorithm. On my personal account, I can actually get to the end (laughs) of the feed. (laughs) Sure, there's suggested posts after that, but it'll show me every post from everybody I follow because I only follow like 30 people. And I can also get to the end of all my stories. Shocking. That's not something that happens on my professional one. So if I go on Instagram after hours, I really try hard to go on my personal account because that way it's a totally different experience. It feels different in my body. I know these are like hilarious things in a way that we're talking about. You know, it feels like why should it feel any different? It's the same app. It's the same phone, et cetera. But it's funny how different it actually does feel because we're seeing different kinds of content. In my case, I'm seeing a lot less content. I'm seeing a lot less content that's about my business as well. I think that's maybe something that we don't think about a lot. On my professional YouTube algorithm, I'm seeing tons of videos about how to grow your channel or how to get more subscribers. I see all of the posts from these channels I've explored over the months to learn more about business. And on my personal one, I see cooking videos. (laughs) I see ambiance channels to do some like cozy studying with like a little cute fireplace cafe playing in the background. And so having those two different experiences means that my mind is not being triggered by things that otherwise would snap it back into work mode. If on my personal Instagram account, I'm seeing all this content from other online business coaches or other marketing experts, because I do follow quite a few of them, then I might be triggered into thinking about marketing and thinking about all of these stressful things that I might have to think about for the coming months or the coming year. And so if I stay 
in a zone that feels more restful and more relaxing and knowing and understanding that I have time during my workday to explore those kinds of topics if I want to, but during my downtime, maybe I don't want to. Maybe I want to have time to just be a human. And so these technology barriers, I think, go far beyond just limiting your notifications, but I also think that's somewhere to look. So if you have not set up downtime on your iPhone or app limits or notification limits, I highly encourage you to do so. I know, for instance, for emails, you can set up within the Outlook app, you can set your hours when you don't get notified about any emails that come in. For Gmail, if you have the app on your phone, you can set it up as an app limit in your iPhone settings, for example, where after a certain amount of time, the app is not accessible to you or you have to go through that screen that says you've reached your limit, you still want to continue, and it won't notify you. And so having those things, I think, are kind of a baseline, but anything that's going to snap you back into work mode is something that I highly encourage you to limit or find ways to be intentional about. And I say this without judgment because I really think in the last few years, I've really slipped on a lot of these things. You're kind of in survival mode. And so some of this stuff goes out the window. I get it. I'm working really hard right now to set up these app boundaries again because it's not always easy to do so. But what's great about it is that these effects are cumulative. So if you take some time like right now in this exact moment to maybe create a different kind of automatic playlist in your podcast app, that's something that you can do. You can set up certain shows to be on different playlists and that way maybe you have a professional playlist and you have a personal playlist. This is something that the app that I use for podcasts can do. I don't know if every app can do it, but I use overcast.fm and I can literally check off which shows get to fall into different categories. And then I have different playlists. I have playlists for my work stuff and personal development stuff. And then I have playlists that are like just for fun, just silly, just delightful kinds of personal shows. And so I get to choose, you know, if I'm listening to something during my workday, maybe I want to stay in that mindset of learning about business. And when I'm in my off time, maybe I don't. And so that's another way that you can add a boundary around your technology and have a commute where you transition from one kind of device to another. Maybe you transition from using your phone to using your Kindle (laughs) for the rest of the night and you're just reading. You know, there's so many ways to set this up, but whatever you can do to create a little bit of buffer in your technology, I think will really serve you. This is not an ad, it's a pause. I've decided to build an intentional break into every episode of Slowpreneur because I know I'm throwing a lot of ideas and hopefully inspiration your way, and I wanted to give you a moment to integrate it, to not have to pay attention, to not have to absorb anymore, to just marinate on what we've talked about so far and take a breath before we continue. get back to the show. And last but certainly not least is the reading commute. And you know I had to share the reading commute because you know how much I love reading. And again, this is kind of building on the same theme, right? We're not talking about anything new here. We're just finding ways to make our brain shift from the active state 
of awareness and hypervigilance that we've been in all day to a state of enjoyment and restfulness and relaxation. And for me, reading fiction is one way to feel as though I'm relaxed. It always makes me feel like I'm on vacation, especially if I'm reading romance. Shout out all my romance stands in the comments. Drop your faves. Just kidding, but like actually DM me. Uh, it always makes me feel like I'm doing something to rest or relax if I have time to read. And so it's almost like when you're in Shavasana in yoga class and the position itself tells your body that it's safe, you know, because if you weren't safe, you wouldn't be lying <laughs> spread eagle on the floor. And so your body is actually instructing your mind, hey, it's okay, we're safe, you can, you can chill now. And for me, it's like, even if I don't feel like I have time to read, if I give myself time to read, then that's a way of me telling my brain, hey, you actually do. You're actually good. You actually can do this. And I got this idea first from Sarah Von Bargen, who would have a ritual each evening at the end of her workday. She would find some kind of like fancy drink. Shout out also my fancy drink stands. Uh, <laughs> Pop your favorites in the comments. And it doesn't necessarily have to be alcoholic, but if you want to, you do you boo-boo. But some kind of like fizzy water with some fruit in it or some kind of tea or whatever the case might be. And she would take her fancy drink. And if it was the summertime, she would go out on her deck. And if it was the wintertime, she would cozy up on her couch and she would just read for, I think, like half an hour. I don't know how long it was. It doesn't really matter, actually, because what matters is the transition. And so after that transition, she would be in evening mode. Sarah is on a sabbatical from the internet right now, but she did send a newsletter last week. And one of the things that she talked about was how she makes her lunch breaks feel more relaxing for her, which is that she watches TV when she's eating lunch during her workday. Okay, that's like next level transitioning, right? <laughs> I'm out here still trying to talk about transitioning from day to night. And she's here being like, okay, how about morning to, to lunch and then back from lunch to work? And then we transition into our evenings. But yeah, for you, maybe it's watching TV. Maybe it's watching a show and recognizing that you don't have to wait till everything else is done and you've made dinner and you've cleaned up for dinner and you've made sure everyone has what they need. Maybe you literally can take 15, 20 minutes to watch a YouTube video or a show or something that signals to your brain that we're in a new space now. Only you know what that is. Only you know what would fit with your actual schedule and your responsibilities, but doing something that feels so out of the ordinary or so different from the work that you do all day, the state that your brain is in all day, I think can be so supportive to you. So that's it. Those are my five ideas. Those are the five ways that I'm currently experimenting with transitions from work to personal life. I would love to hear if you have your own ways of commuting, if there are things that you do that show yourself <laughs> that you're in a new state, you're in a new place, you're in a new way of living. And also, if you try any of these things, if you try one of these commutes from home, right, from home to home. <laughs> if you try one of these commutes, I would love to hear about it. Please let me know if it helped you or felt supportive to you. I think that we all could use all the help we can get, right? It's not something we're used to, having to do all the different facets of our life from one single physical space. That can be challenging. 
Another thing I'm trying to do is actually leave the house more often, <laughs> even though I work from home, going to coffee shops, going to co-working spaces. These are things I'm going to be experimenting more with in the coming year because I think that having an actual commute is sometimes exactly what I need as well. And then the transition happens more naturally. But until such time as that's a bigger part of my work life, I'm going to be playing around with these kinds of transitions as well. So as always, let me know. Love to hear from you. You can always reach me at hello at stephaniepellet.com or you can send me a DM on Instagram. I'm not always there as you've just heard, especially after working hours, but I absolutely love to hear from you anytime. So reach out, let me know if this is feeling supportive to you or what you might want to hear about next on the podcast. I'm always open to suggestions. Until then, thank you so much for being here and for letting me share these ideas with you. And I'll talk to you very soon. Thanks so much for listening to Slowpreneur. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or reach out and let me know at hello at stephaniepellet.com. I would love to hear from you. As always, you can find show notes for this and all episodes at stephaniepellet.com slash slowprinter. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.